Good afternoon. It is 3 p.m. Tuesday afternoon, uh, February the 7th, and this is another edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with our regular Tuesday guest, uh, pastor and Christian author, Dr. J.B. Hickson. Uh, we have a pretty good show for you today. Now, I tend to understate things. I, I'm I'm a master of the understatement. I happen to know what JB's got prepared for you, and uh, you're going to want to hear this. If you are a Christian attending any kind of church that you currently have doubts about uh, whether they're doing it the way they should do it, telling it the way they, they should tell it, teaching it the way they should teach it, if you have any doubt at all, you'll want to tune in to this episode, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to get some fantastic information along those lines. So without further ado, welcome, JB. And uh, <clears throat> first of all, if you could kind of catch us up as to what's been going on with you before we get into today's program. Well, hey, Curtis, so good to be with you. Always uh, a pleasure. And uh, man, we uh, we miss you during the uh, intervening times, but uh, you and I do stay in pretty close contact through uh uh, texting and calling, but always a pleasure to be with you on the Christian Underground News Network. God is uh, really uh, doing a lot of neat things in the midst of uh, NBW Ministries. You know, we we started got off to a great start this year. We've got a number of conferences upcoming. We've got uh, pretty pretty full schedule, frankly. Um, the Lord is blessing Plum Creek Chapel there in Sedalia, a suburb of Denver, which is our home church. Uh, we actually. Uh, uh, we, we've been so packed recently. Uh, this past Sunday, we had four uh, cars show up that couldn't even park, and we had to send folks out to the street to try to direct them to find a parking spot. So we're uh, we're going to be uh, starting two services on February 26th at Plum Creek, an 8:30 and a 10 to try to make for, for more space inside. It was standing room only. And so uh, God's bringing people our way. I think it's just a, another sign of the times that we are really headed into a time when people are either turning their hearts toward the Lord and coming back to Him or to Him or coming deeper to Him to study His Word, to learn uh, what they can about what's happening in this crazy mixed-up world. Or on the other extreme, Curtis, I think folks are uh, being more and more deceived and turning a deaf ear, hardening their hearts and becoming a more and more apostate. So uh, as long as I'm there, which the Lord willing will be a, a while, uh, Plum Creek Chapel will always stand firm on the truth and be a uh, kind of a uh, a beach beach head for folks to come and uh, hear the word of God, emphasize the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel, and uh, proclaim uh, the soon coming of our Lord and focus on Bible prophecy. So yeah, God's doing some great things. I encourage folks to check out our website, notbyworks.org, notbyworks.org. You can see some of our upcoming events. We'll be in Orlando uh, twice coming up in about a week and a half, and then again uh, two weeks later for a couple of big conferences. And We've been doing a lot of podcasting, so we've had some great uh, interaction and, and shows that we've done with uh, Jan Markell at Olive Tree Ministries, with uh, Gary Stearman at Prophecy Watchers, and Mondo Gonzalez, a new uh, one of those videos just dropped today, in fact, uh, with uh, Prophecy Watchers uh, and uh, Mondo Gonzalez. Uh, had some other just, you know, isolated radio shows here and there in, in different uh, regions of the country. We were on David Fiorazzo's, a nationally syndicated show last week. Uh, so uh, we're getting the word out, and we're starting to see uh, the Lord really uh, bring more and more folks our way. Uh, and uh, in fact, I want to mention the podcast that we did yesterday. Um, 
It was on uh, chat GPT and the Luciferian agenda. Yes. If folks have not listened to that yet, you need to listen to that. I think it's it was one of the most powerful podcasts I've done in a long time. I learned a tremendous amount about this uh, artificial intelligence. You know, you and I have talked about AI uh, periodically over the last couple of years on the show. Um, yes. And man, it is a force to be reckoned with. And so very informative, uh, very uh, articulate and knowledgeable guest that we had on our show yesterday. And so I want to remind folks about that and, and encourage you to share it, uh, as we also want you to share this podcast, as we're going to be talking about uh, how uh, Christians uh, need to be awake, not woke. Christians need to be awake and not woke. So uh, let's just dive in. You know, uh, this term woke, I still remember the first time I heard it a few years ago, but what does it mean? It was actually added to Merriam-Webster's dictionary back in September of 2017. So woke uh, as we're going to be talking about it on the program today, is a fairly new term. It was around for a while before that as a slang term. And even Merriam-Webster's lists it as a slang term in English today. But here's how the dictionary defines woke. It's defined as, quote, aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues related to racial and social justice. So let me say that again. This is sort of the official narrative, the official, uh, you know, societal definition of this term woke, quote, aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues related to racial and social justice. Now, the term originated in African-American English and gained very widespread use beginning in 2014 as part of the Black Lives Matter movement. But by 2020, it was also being used as just a general description of anyone who is or appears to be politically left-leaning. And so uh, conservative Christians, uh, at least those that are awake and not woke, <laughs> yeah. uh, understand that this is a pejorative term. Uh, and I don't mean pejorative in an ad hominem sense. I mean, it, I mean it's a descriptive, accurate description of those uh, people who espouse a, a non-biblical worldview. And uh, so I've got several examples of this. And, you know, uh, Curtis, the, the the more the Lord increases the stewardship at, at MBW Ministries, the more uh, e email and calls that we get. Mm -hmm. That's why we hired staff this year. And I, I do have to mention, just as an aside, uh, one of my real intentional commitments and desires since we started this ministry way back in 1999 has always been to personally respond to every email and phone call. But I got to tell you, we're getting so many now that, you know, I, I just have not been able to respond to all of them. I respond to every email that has a question or that sort of asks for a response, but I get a ton of emails where people send me links to certain things and uh, give their thoughts on certain things. And I want you to know, I read every email uh, that comes across my my desk, every one of them. I just don't have the time anymore to respond to all of them, or at least for this season. But I do respond to those that ask for a response. And uh, sometimes it takes me a few days, but we flag them. And then a lot of times late at night before I go to bed, I'll try to tick off 10 or 12 of them and try to stay ahead of it. But uh, but so I do get lots of anecdotal evidence of experiences that people are having uh, throughout uh, the country that, and even throughout the world. But as far as our discussion today, we're talking about American uh, Christians. And sadly, the church today 
is drifting further and further away from biblical Christianity. And this should not surprise us because, of course, the Apostle Paul reminded us that the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And that's from 1 Timothy uh, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And if you go to 2 Timothy, uh, also chapter 4, we, we see Paul in the final letter that he wrote uh, to Timothy, his young son in the faith, challenging this young preacher to, uh, you know, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Right. And, you know, you know, Curtis, right now, this is, it is not in season to preach the truth. It is not. It is not something that people desire to hear. Um, you know, I, I got an email not too long ago from someone who was very critical that I dared to speak critically of the LGBTQ movement and how unloving and hateful I was because I don't accept uh, these uh, these sinful behaviors. Um, but that, again, shouldn't surprise us because in that same passage where Paul tells Timothy to preach the word and be ready in season and out of season— he says to convince and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering. That's right. Because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Yeah, but according, I think that's, we're there. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. We, I think we're living in those days. He says, according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, mm. and they will be turned aside to fables, turning their ears away from the truth. So, uh, wokeism is a fable. It is a descriptive term, a, a kind of a broad-range descriptive term, to identify that worldview that is contrary to God's Word on just about every front. Yes. Um, you know, I got I saw a tweet recently, by the way, not by works, uh, much to my chagrin, recently uh, at, at the beginning of January, uh, kind of established a social media presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> Uh, and again, our my daughter who works for us kind of handles all that. And we're not social media people. I think ultimately that's going to be part of the uh, the global control grid. Uh, no question about it, actually. But uh, for such a time as this, I think we have to make use of every available tool to try to get the message out. And we have seen already uh, some some blessings that have come from just being out there, you know. Uh, right. But we do it eyes wide open. We know that we're being tracked. And, uh, you know, I'm sure just like we were canceled from YouTube, we will end up being canceled uh, from some of these if we, you know, step on some landmines. But, uh, but anyway, I did see a tweet where this... Uh, a uh, young man, and I was so proud of him. I don't know him, but uh, I could tell from the picture he was a millennial, but he seems to have a good handle on biblical truth because he said, quote, if your pastor is scolding saints and apologizing to sodomites, you need to fire him. You need to fire him. And I, I think amen to that. Too yeah. many pastors today are standing up in the pulpit and they are uh, kowtowing to blatant immorality and not speaking the truth. And, you know, it is not unloving to speak the truth, Curtis. That's correct. Uh, in fact, it's unloving to placate sin. That's, that's you, a, that is a true statement. Yeah, I mean, if you ac actually love someone, you will uh, call them out in their sin. Not in a hateful way, not in a vengeful way. And I get that some pastors who are speaking the truth, uh, you know, do so with a tone that is you know, hateful, and that's unfortunate. They shouldn't do that. But the simple fact of, you know, speaking out against sin 
is by definition loving. That's what love does. It tells the truth. And it and, and we know the, the detrimental effects of sin. First of all, for unbelievers, the penalty of sin is eternal separation uh, from God and a literal place of torment called hell. So when you think you're being loving by coddling these sodomites, as that one tweet said, or these LGBT folks and telling them it's okay, you know, you know, you can be who you want to be and you don't have to worry about it. When we coddle them, we are essentially ushering them down the road toward hell. But when we speak the truth in love and we let them know that that behavior is sinful and that every mankind, every human being is sinful and that the wages of sin is death and that Jesus Christ came to the earth uh, to save sinners and that there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, and that Jesus laid down his life, paid our personal penalty for sin, rose from the dead three days later and offers freely to all forgiveness to, to remedy the predicament that we got ourselves in by sin. That's loving. We're giving people the answer. So I just wanted to share that one uh, one tweet. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm receiving an increasing amount of criticism every time I, I speak critically about sinful and immoral behavior. Uh, I can remember, uh, this has been years ago now, but uh, one very famous uh, pastor, Joel Osteen, uh, was on the Larry King show. And uh, he was asked, uh, by Larry King, if he believed in the exclusivity of Christ for salvation. In other words, is Jesus Christ the only way to be forgiven of your sins and have eternal life? And Joel Osteen, instead of answering a simple question that for a pastor uh, should be a no-brainer, in fact, it'd be like asking a mathematician, what is two plus two? Well, Joel Osteen equivocated. He he mumbled and he he said, "I, I uh, well, I, I'm very careful, Larry. You know about saying who would and wouldn't go to heaven. Why? The Bible's pretty clear on who will and won't go to heaven. It's extremely clear." Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so, you know, Osteen told Larry King, I don't know, quote, unquote. And then in his best-selling book, uh, you know, he's written many best-selling books, uh, uh, which just goes to show you that lack of discernment in the evangelicalism today. But uh, in in one of his first best-selling books, Your Best Life Now, he writes, quote, God focuses on the things you're doing right he sees the best in you. You can stop obsessing about all your faults and give yourselves a break. Every person has weaknesses. And by his own admission, he, he intentionally avoids using the word sin oh, in his right. preaching and writing. That's right. He, he, like, he said, I use words like imperfections and shortcomings and mistakes and weaknesses and insecurities. <laughs> uh, Larry King, in that same interview, asked him why he avoids using the term sinner. He said, well, you know, I don't use it. And he's talking about the word sinners. Uh, I never really thought about it, but I probably don't because most people already know what they're doing is wrong. And when I get them to church, I want to tell them that they can change and there can be a difference in your life. And I don't want to condemn. Well, let me tell you, in this woke world, most people don't know what they're doing is wrong. That's right. Because they get their affirmation from a pagan culture that embraces sin. And so it's imperative that the church today you know, call out sin and identify sin and, and explain a moral standard. And then, uh, you know, talk about uh, how the Bible is God's self-revelation to mankind. And it's it's the only uh, source for our, our beliefs, attitudes, and practices, the only standard. And uh, and it gives us the answer. And that's why, and again, I, I, I know I, on your show, I can certainly mention 
names because uh, we understand the <laughs> biblical admonition to do so, because the Bible tells us to mark those who teach contrary doctrine, Romans 16. That, that is correct. So I'm just simply following Paul's instruction, but another a very popular uh, author and teacher of our day is Andy Stanley. And, uh, you know, I've met Andy, I've worked with him, I've spent time with him, uh, but in a, in a recent sermon, listen to what he said, and I, I actually have a screenshot of his this statement on the overhead uh, monitors in the, the auditorium where he was speaking. And he said, quote, when you anchor the authority of your teaching to the Bible, you reinforce an assumption that has the potential to weaken rather than establish faith. Oh, and and long ago, Andy Stanley departed from the Bible as the only standard. In fact, I've heard him say the, the, the children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, yeah. is the biggest lie we've ever told our children. And so wow. he does not anchor his belief system, his worldview in the Word of God. Um, and that is uh, the same mistake that... Um, was made, uh, you know, a century ago with neo-orthodoxy and the just the modernism and the liberalism creeping yeah. into our seminaries, Bible colleges, and churches. But I'm here to tell you, at Not By Works Ministries, uh, we stand firm on the authority of God's Word as the only standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices. And so uh, we need believers today to be awake and not woke. And yeah. So the Bible has a lot to say about how to address a sinful culture. Uh, for example, in 1 Corinthians verse uh, chapter 15, verse 34, Paul is talking about the resurrection and some of the attacks that the culture in his day, uh, you know, that were taking place in the culture in his day against the resurrection. Mm -hmm. uh, people were saying there is no resurrection. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And so he says, quote, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. Well, what's he talking about there? Well, the Corinthians needed to change their thinking, and they needed to think correctly. Right. Rather than living for the present and capitulating to their pagan neighbors and adopting that pagan worldview, like all of the culture around them was encouraging them to do, they needed to stop sinning and fulfill their present purpose, which was, as Paul describes in chapter 15 there, to promote the gospel, to preach the gospel. And he says, it's a shame. It's to your shame that you have neighbors who still have no knowledge of God and still have not become born again by believing the gospel. And, and I could say the same thing today, uh, you know, tenfold. Uh, how many believers today are more concerned with how they're going to be viewed on social media and what their friends are going to think and say than they are with the fact that they're, those same friends and neighbors in many cases are on the road to hell? And so, uh, you know, Paul says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. Believers, Christians need to be awake, not woke. Uh, and again, woke uh, you know, in case someone's just, you know, tuning in, but I want to remind you the dictionary definition of woke, it means that you are aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues related to racial and social justice. Well, where do those principles of racial and social justice come from? They come from a fallen humanistic world, and they are contrary to God's word. The, the entire concept of wokeism emanated back in the you know, mid-20 teens, 2014, as part of the Black Lives Matter movement. 
These are not biblical uh, principles. And, you know, if you go to Colossians uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse uh, 6, Paul tells believers, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And listen to this. This is, I think, really the the warning that believers today have completely ignored. Colossians 2.8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, through uh, empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, mm-hmm. according to the basic principles of this world, and mm-hmm. not according to Christ. <laughs> right. And that's exactly what's happening. You know, that word philosophy there, when he says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, that's the only time that word is used in the entire Bible. And in, in Greek, it's the word uh, uh, philosophia, it's a compound word, uh, phileo and sophia, phileo, love, sophia, wisdom. It refers to the love of wisdom, but it's not talking about the love of God's wisdom, the infallible truth of God's word. It's talking about the love of man's wisdom. And, you know, uh, I know you've had uh, our our mutual friend, Lucas uh, Doremus, uh, on uh, the show many, many times. He has a regular sh- uh, spot on your show, and he has really done a tremendous amount of study of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and some of the wisdom books of Scripture that remind us again and again that man's wisdom is not God's wisdom. That's correct. To the world, God's wisdom is foolishness. And to believers, man's wisdom is foolishness. That's right. um, So when Paul says you don't want to become captive, that's what the word cheat, when it says beware lest anyone cheat you, it's literally take you captive Mm -hmm. according to the basic principles of of this world. Uh, he's talking about wokeism in uh, our in our 21st century uh, culture. This this whole notion that uh, you know right is wrong, wrong is right. We've got to be accepting of everyone's uh, immoral lifestyles and behavior, and uh, you know it's not going to end well. Uh, I'm working on a devotional. I had hoped to have it done by now, but we've just been slammed ever since Sunday. I started it Sunday afternoon when I got home from church, but it's it's going to focus on you know, the the coming judgment on unbelievers. And, you know, we we talk a lot at NBW Ministries, especially here in the last few years, about uh, the Luciferian conspiracy. And, of course, with my two books, Spirit of the Antichrist, we've, we've talked about those on a lot of different programs about kind of this cosmic battle from Satan's perspective and how we are heading towards this final time when the Antichrist is going to, you know, wreak havoc on the world. Well, I thought it would be good uh, to focus on another impending judgment, and this is the great white throne judgment and the judgment of God. And, you know, Psalm chapter 50, verse 3 says, Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. And I tell you what, uh, you know, the wrath of God is being held back right now, but after the rapture, that wrath is going to be unleashed, and we want to implore people, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, to believe the gospel. Today is the day of salvation. Be uh, ready. So believers, Christians need to be awake, not woke. Another passage I think that is very uh, relevant to this wokeism discussion comes from Ephesians 5. And let me begin reading in Ephesians 5, verse 8. 
Paul says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So uh, let me save everyone some emails that might be listening to this podcast and be offended that I am exposing the truth. You're going to have to send that email to the Apostle Paul and or to ultimately to God himself who inspired through the Spirit Paul to write what he wrote, because I'm simply doing what God's Word tells us to do, exposing those that are uh, turning light into darkness and turning darkness into light. Paul goes on, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. <laughs> I mean, here we are flaunting uh you know, this evil that is so pervasive. You know, as you mentioned at the outset, we're recording this on Tuesday, February 7th. Tonight, uh, in fact, in just a few hours, I have my uh, second installment of our Prophecy Night, and I'm going to be talking about some recent manifestations of full-on Satanism. Oh, yeah. Some of us have been, including Sunday night at the Grammys, by the way, uh, yeah. some of us have been sounding the alarm about the Luciferian agenda uh, for, for decades, but it is now no longer even a hidden agenda. They're just coming right out and saying, we worship Satan, we love him, we, we sacrifice to him, and we want you to also, and we want to capture the minds of our young people and get them to join uh, you know, Satan's team. So we're simply exposing them, and, and uh, he says it's shameful to even speak of the things that are done by them in secret. But he goes on, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, now listen, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And so what he's saying there is since, since God will bring all things into light, we see that again and again throughout Scripture, it's important that believers wake up and rise from the deadness that characterizes their former uh, characterizes their lives according to their former lifestyle when they were unbelievers. That's See, right. Curtis, we have an epidemic today, and it's an epidemic of believers living, acting, and thinking like unbelievers. Oh, and yeah, uh, yeah. we also have certainly plenty of people who claim to be Christians who aren't. They've never trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone as the only one who can forgive sin and give them eternal life. But, mm -hmm. you know, even equally as troubling in my mind are the believers who, in some cases, are so self-deceived they don't even realize they're apostate, but they have you know, they are acting and living like unbelievers. And so, uh, and then one more passage that I think is relevant, and we've talked about this a lot because it, it really is a central passage to the premise in my Spirit of the Antichrist uh, books, um, which again, I encourage folks to check out at spiritoftheantichrist.org. But First Thessalonians 5, and let me read these several verses here. Uh, Paul says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Mm -hmm. Now, let me put this in context, um, because already people might be wondering, what's he talking about? Well, remember in chapter 4, the previous paragraph uh, from what we just read, or just started reading, uh, Paul had revealed the, the doctrine of the rapture and talked about how uh, the church will be rescued before uh, the tribulation period. Already in First Thessalonians, he talked about how 
God has not appointed us to suffer wrath in chapter one. He's going to, in this passage we're reading right here again, remind us that we're not, you know, going to be here when the wrath of God is poured out in that seven year tribulation. And so, you know, he, he says here concerning the times and the seasons, the times there is the Greek word chronos, meaning an extended period. And then the seasons is the word kairos. It means a definite period of time, a specific moment. And what he's saying is, you know, I've already taught you about God's plan of the ages and the chronological periods and the major features of those periods that lay ahead in the future. And he's talking about the end times. Uh, so I don't need to necessarily teach you about that again. And he goes on back to the passage. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now, he's not talking here about the rapture. He's talking about the day of the Lord's judgment at the second coming when he comes to tread the winepress of the wrath and fury of Almighty God. And he's already told them and promised them that they won't be here when that happens. And he, by the way, he's going to reiterate that in his second letter to them in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians. But although he had alleviated their concerns by talking about the rapture, what he's now saying is, look, I get that you're still kind of restless and worried about this, but I just want to remind you once again that the day of the Lord will not come as a surprise to those of you who believe. It will catch many unbelievers off guard at the end of the tribulation. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that a lot of Bible teachers miss. Uh, they think that, you know, uh, during the tribulation period, you know, things are going to be so chaotic that nobody could possibly uh, you know, think that that the Lord's not coming back. But no, Jesus warned repeatedly to that future generation that will be alive during the tribulation about deception that's coming. That's right. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Let no one deceive you. He says that again and again, speaking directly to that seven-year period of time. And so by the time the seven years is up, due to the unprecedented deception of the Antichrist and the false prophet, most of the world will be deceived into taking the mark of the beast, and they will not believe the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so uh, but so it will catch when Christ comes back with a sword proceeding out of his mouth to judge the world at the Battle of Armageddon. It will catch most be most people on earth at that time, which of course won't be the church, but most people alive at the time off guard. Sure. But it, Paul, Paul is saying here in First Thessalonians five that that's not us. It's not going to catch us by surprise. That's right. He goes on for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Again, talking about the tribulation generation, mm -hmm. and they shall not escape. But now listen, this is what he says to us, to you and me. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and not sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, are drunk at night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain deliverance through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Amen. What he means there is, thankfully, being awake uh, is not a requirement for being caught up to meet the Lord in the air at the rapture. So right. if it was, there are going to be a lot of believers that would miss the rapture. But no, the rapture will catch all believers up. 
even woke believers, sadly, and they will have to give an account at the Bema judgment of their lack of faithfulness and their, their errors in thinking. Uh, but it doesn't affect your eternal destiny because sound doctrine is not a requirement to get into heaven. The only requirement for heaven is God's grace, and we receive that grace by faith alone in Christ alone. It's a free gift. But I tell you what, there are a lot of sleepy Christians right now who are uh, woke instead of being awake. And then he concludes this passage by saying, therefore, comfort one another with these uh, words. You know, J. Vernon McGee famously said, the Lord Jesus does not come to the church like a thief in the night. The church is looking for and waiting for the Lord to come. I talked about that last Tuesday night, last week at our first prophecy night about how we are to be eagerly awaiting the Lord's return. And so, you know, we're never taught that the, the rapture is going to come you know, like a thief in the night. We're looking for his return. But J. Vernon McGee goes on, however, the Lord Jesus does come like a thief to the world after the church has been raptured. And so mm -hmm. we need we need believers, uh, brother, to be awake and not woke. And there's just Amen. so much bad teaching out there, so many examples of this. And, you know, it's one thing for the pagan culture, worldliness, to promote wokeism, mainstream media, secular pagan universities, the uh, pagan government schooling, compulsory government schooling system, which, yes, by their own admission is pagan. And that means they do not allow you to talk about God. I mean, if you have any connection to a public school system, just walk in there sometime into the cafeteria during lunch, get everyone's attention and say, hey, I'd like to share with you that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him, and you need to place your faith in Jesus to be saved. You'll be arrested, <laughs> literally. Yeah. So yeah. Any, any place where you cannot name the name of Jesus boldly and do what the church is supposed to be doing, that's pagan. Uh, so it's one thing for wokeism to have you know, infiltrated secular culture. But it's quite another for wokeism to infiltrate the church. And so I just want to challenge uh, believers listening to this program today to be awake and not woke. Wake up to the reality of what God's Word tells us and awake to righteousness, as 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says. Awake to the light. And uh, and let's uh, let's come together and you know, uh, stand firm, because I think if the Lord tarries is coming, I think we're in for some really troubling waters ahead for American Christianity. I talk about this in chapter 12 of volume two of my book, Spirit of the Antichrist. Uh, and so, you know, uh, there is great reward for those who persevere. That's what the writer of Hebrews says again and again. And we have a whole chapter, in fact, in Hebrews 11, uh, filled with men and women of faith who through the centuries at great personal cost, stood firm, and their faith was richly rewarded. So, uh, yeah, there you have it, uh, Curtis. Christians need to be awake and not woke. Well, I'll tell you what, JB, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, everything that you said was absolutely correct. And I, I want to remind believers also that there is a, if there's anybody that has a doubt about their church and whether they're doing it right or whether they're doing it wrong, uh, there's a very simple litmus test in the book of of uh, Colossians, um, the first chapter, uh, Jenna, verses 12 through the end of the chapter, basically, but there's a couple of verses in there that, that sum it all up. Um, Paul is talking about Christ, 
Jesus Christ. And he says uh, in verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And this is, uh, this is where I want you to pay really close attention. For by him, verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he jesus christ might have the preeminence the social justice agenda preempts almost every teaching of the lord jesus christ amen yeah, that's it. That's the litmus test. Is Christ preeminent or is social justice preeminent? That's right. Is Christ preeminent or is wokeism preeminent? Uh, that's that's really the, the litmus test right there. Social justice can never, can never be the agenda for the New Testament church. Yeah, it's it's the cart before the horse. I mean, if we if we're doing what the word of God tells us to do. The social justice won't be an issue. I mean, I, I wonder what Jesus is going to do when he sits on the throne someday during the millennium and rules the world in perfect peace and righteousness and justice. Is he going to have to read one of these best-selling books on wokeism and learn how to judge? No. Well, and we have the mind of Christ already That's right. through his word. I, I have I have the feeling that... that uh, that one thing he might do, uh, he might tell a certain author that you mentioned during this program, uh, he, he might remind him, hey, wait a minute, remember, your best life is not now on <laughs> earth, okay? It's your life to come if you're doing it the right way, if you trusted Jesus Christ. That's your best life. Not yeah, now. I mean, the really sad thing is for a lot of people who read that book, their best life is now. Because if they've not trusted in Christ and him alone for salvation, the afterlife is going to be exponentially worse. Well, then that so, tells you who, who he's pandering to, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it really does. And it's, it's a, a, like you said, it's a perfect example of, of how, how wrong the church has gone. And uh, boy, if, if that doesn't alarm you, uh, man, I, I just don't know what would. Yeah. Uh, it, dangerous times we're in. So, JB, I, I really appreciate you being with us this hour and reminding uh, Christians uh, that there are some things we need to be paying attention to and with some things that we may be doing wrong uh, in our churches that we need to correct and, and correct in a big hurry, uh, if not just for the souls of unsaved people, uh, for our own reward when we get to heaven, because if we're doing it wrong and we know we're doing it wrong, we're, we're going to lose some reward for compromising. Amen. And no doubt about it. And, uh, and I want to encourage folks to, uh, uh, to tune in tonight, uh, if you'd like to, for the live stream at six o'clock mountain time of, uh, uh, our prophecy night, I'll be talking about how the stage is being set prophetically for the soon coming of our Lord. 
uh, lots of good stuff there. It's a it's a longer than usual uh, study. Uh, we do an hour of teaching and then about 15 to 30 minutes of Q&A. It starts at six o'clock, but for our live streamers, I want to remind you, and you'll see this when you log in uh, or you, know, you click the live stream link on our page. We do start with 10 or 15 minutes of music. And so the live stream doesn't begin until after the music, just because we're not set up to, to live stream our, our music team. But uh, it, you'll see the countdown there and you'll see the note that says typically about 610 to 615-ish is when I come on. But yeah, tune in tonight. If not, we're going to be posting that like we always do uh, by later tonight, the video and the audio. So if you can't make it live, uh, you can uh, you can watch that uh, uh, after it's done, watch the recording. So always a blessing to be with you at Christian Underground News Network. Uh, keep, uh, keep fighting the good fight and uh, can't wait to be on again next time. Sounds good to me, JB. We, we thank you for being with us and being faithful to, uh, to be a part of our team. And, and uh, you, you are a very valuable member to us. And when we are very, very thankful for you. Uh, and we're thankful to our listening audience for, for tuning in and giving us an hour of their day today. And we hope that uh, if you're out there listening, that you've been blessed, uh, that you've been touched, or, or that you get worried about some things that, that might not be going exactly the way they should be in church. Uh, we, we all have an individual responsibility to be aware and to take, to take steps to correct when we misstep. And uh, uh, today's, our session with JB was a good, a good reminder of some of those things. So be aware uh, and tune in with us next time, which will be, uh, uh, I think JB and I have talked about this. We may uh, start doing some things in a, in a two-week, every two-week interval instead of just once a month. Uh, we're still discussing that. We'll decide on a schedule later, but uh, uh, just a heads up, we, we may be doing some more, some more segments than we have been in the last couple of months. So I don't know if you like that or not, but <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I, I do too, JB. Uh, there, there's nothing I, I find more rewarding than, than uh, this kind of ministry. This is really, really important stuff that we're doing. And uh, we, we sure do thank you again for being a part of it. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. All right. So until uh, our next episode, which will probably be, oh, maybe two weeks or so from now, this is the Christian Underground News Network signing off. And we will see you soon. Until we do, may God bless and keep you. <laughs>